Own the road with T-Mobile, the leader in 5G. Whether you're cruising through Nashville on I-40, heading down I-90 to Boston, or touring Santa Cruz in the 5, you'll be covered by the largest 5G network. T-Mobile covers the most interstate highway miles in America with 5G. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Most reliable according to independent third-party Umlaut from crowdsourced user experience data from January to July 2021. Fastest according to Open Signal Awards based on average speeds in USA. 5G user experience report July 2021. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Minority Reports Podcast and Digital Series. I am your host, Mona Shake. It is Happy Friday. It's not just Happy Friday, it's Happy Friday because of my special guest today. Happy Friday, everyone. James says, glad that Mona's back. Yes, I am. Uh, glad that it's the weekend. Nika says, hi, James. Hello, Nika. So nice for you guys to tune in. I am so, so, so excited about my guest today because not only has he been uh, a friend for a while, but he's also a hysterical comedian. And I've been wanting to bring him on my podcast and he was kind enough to join us uh, and, uh, you know, agree to be on the podcast today. He's a hilarious comic. You see him performing all over the place. Uh, I saw him at the Laugh Factory recently, and um, you got to go watch his stuff on Laugh Factory. It is brilliant. Here's my very talented comedian actor friend, Aiden Park. How are you? Yay. Hello. Hi. Hi. How, how, how's the Friday going? Oh, it's great. I'm in Palm Springs right now. <laughs> You're yeah. so fancy. Are you are you performing this weekend? No, I'm just here, you know, um, chilling with my homies. <laughs> I love that. I I love that you're chilling with your homie. You know, Aiden, I was uh I was uh I was looking at some of your uh videos uh at Laugh Factory and uh you were talking about being uh you know being nine years old. Like like you moved at nine years old from Korea, correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I was listening to you talking about how you were obsessed with Sister Act growing yeah. up. I was obsessed with Home Alone in Pakistan growing up. When did you get here? I moved when I was 15. Oh, okay, okay. Did you speak English before that or no? Yeah, we spoke we spoke fluent English. Like okay. so like our family has been coming to the states since like the early 80s because I have four older brothers uh oh. and two of my brothers were given expired vaccination for polio and they got polio because of it. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, so, so are you, uh, wait, yeah. wait, can I, can I, can I, 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 it's so funny because like I haven't talked to you, so like I want to catch up, right? But, yeah, like, I yeah. don't know, like, I don't know what the protocol is. Okay, but I'm gonna, can I ask a question? Yes, of course. Okay, cool. So, like, are, so what's your feeling on the coronavirus vaccine then? Oh, I'm okay with that because I'm in America and, uh, you know, it's not expired shit that they're like pumping up in people's arms. So I'm good with that. I, that doesn't, that does, I mean, the only reason, you know, they got polio is not because of the vaccine. It's because the vaccine was expired, right? Oh. Yeah, yeah, because the vaccine was Johnson expired. Johnson. Yeah, Johnson. But, you know, I got Johnson & Johnson and oh. uh, I'm doing fine. So yeah. it's only been like six blood clot incidents out of like 6.8 million, yeah. which you can't really, you know. We still have a massive gun shooting problem. We yeah. can't get to and it. I've taken so many Johnsons. So what's another two, Johnson? <laughs> <laughs> High five, Aiden. Me too. Me too. High five. <laughs> <laughs> Johnson's unite. We gotta eat. 
we gotta listen we gotta eat drink whatever we need to do um whatever we need to do but i love that story so much because here's your uh here's your here's your korean mom having you like recite lines because you were talking about how your mom would invite her girlfriends over and like you have you recite these lines from the movie i mean when you're did you did you grow up speaking english in korea or did you have to learn english when you moved here I, I learned how to, I learned what English meant when I moved here, but in Korea, okay. So my mom was a single mother and we had a little oh, wow. video store and we lived in the back of this video store, okay. um, you know, uh, in like a little room and our bathroom, we have to like go around the building to go to the public like bathroom for the building. Like that's where we live. So in yeah. like a little mini room in the back of a video store. And so as yeah. a kid, I'd watch all these movies and there would be like, American movies with Korean subtitles. Mm-hmm. And I would watch the same movies over and over. And so I would memorize all of the words to my favorite movies and could repeat it back, but I had no idea what I was saying, right? <laughs> so that's what happened with Sister Act. And that's why I was saying things like, you don't earn it. You don't earn other people's wives' fur coats. You know, like I was like copying Whoopi Goldberg. You know? <laughs> And what is it like? You're an only child, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what was it like even at nine? I mean, like now so much of the taboo. I mean, look, we're both Asian. Um, I'm South Asian, you're Asian. But, you know, I think Asian cultures are so very similar. You know, that whole stigma of like, oh, a single parent and like at a certain time. What was that like, like growing up in Korea? Like, did you, were you like very aware of the fact that you were a single parent child or was that something like you didn't even kind of think about it? Yeah. Yeah. Did I tell you the story? No, That's no, please here. do. This is why I'm here. I'm going to tell you the story. Yes. I went to, we, we've always been kind of discriminated against. My story is kind of crazy, Mona. I don't, know um, if you, I don't know if we ever got this deep, but like my, my dad, had a whole other family on the other side of the country. Um, and he married my mom, but then he was also, this was before Facebook, so you can't cross check. Of course, check of course. Before, ah! of and course. so uh, my grandfather found out and threatened to kill him. It was like a, a thing. Um, and so she raised me by herself at this video store. And I went to school one day and you know, I'm a flamboyant. I've always been the same. I'm always like, <laughs> I love your energy. I love your thank energy. You. you too. You too. Oh, thank you. People I met in the first years of my comedy, and you—that's right. You've always been so oh. sweet. Same here. <laughs> um, so uh, I went to school, and there was <laughs> there was this kid. Who, uh, I was like, you know, he was my friend, and I said, hey, let's let's you know, uh, let's play or whatever, and he goes. I'm not allowed to play with you anymore because you don't have a father. And my dad told me that is why you act like this. <gasps> yeah. And I was like, oh my God, like why? <laughs> <laughs> I went home and I cried to my mom. I was like, mom, this happened. Aww. Then my mom was like, what did this kid say? What did yeah. he say? Holding a rice cooker. It's so stereotypical. She was, she really was. What yeah. Mom, calm down. She's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill him. And so she got up and she was like, You watch the video store. So she left me alone. It was a different time. <laughs> alone in the video store. She was like, take the customers. And I'm like, I don't know how to work the cash register, right? So she goes and she comes back and she doesn't have the rice scooper. And I'm like, 
Oh, oh my God. God. Where she killed him with the rice scooper. I was like, oh she goes, we're going to America. And I was like, now we're on the run. We're on the run. <laughs> She's definitely killed someone now. She's definitely killed, killed someone. someone. We have to move countries for God's sake. That's a big deal. Oh my but God. Our rice scooper is in our, in our home. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, <laughs> did she actually go and confront this kid and their family she or what? Confronted the dad. So... Wow. I asked about the story over the past weekend because I saw her and I was like, Mom, what happened? She's like, I went and confronted the, it was a mom. The, the dad wasn't there. And she was like, hey, didn't your, um, your kid told me not, told my, told your son not to, like, your kid told my son that um, he wasn't allowed to kill anymore. What's yeah. that about? And the mom had no clue. So she was like, did he? Danny, come here. Dan, Dan I'm making up that name. It was some hey. Korean name. Jungkook, sure. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> She's like, Danny, come here. Did your did did your dad tell you not to play with Aiden? He's like, yeah. He's like, why? Oh, because he said he doesn't have a dad. And the woman's face turned white because it's so she was so shocked. She was like, oh my god. And then my mom apparently she told me she said that she was like a, a single parent. You know, I hope. Neither one of you never dies or anything happens to you or never gets divorced. You know, God forbid you become a single parent. And she walked out of there. And wow. that woman wow. was white as ghost. She had no idea. It was very embarrassing right. for her. Right. So my mom came home that day and she was like, <laughs> I want to go to the United States. And then she said, Well, we won't be discriminated against for me being no. a single parent. <laughs> she I'm just didn't know that part. She didn't know the <laughs> other part. <laughs> It's better here than, than in Korea, certainly. Sure, for yeah. sure. For sure. Korea, yeah, amazing. for sure. I mean, it's the same thing, right? In Pakistan and South Asian cultures, too. If you're like a single parent, they just look at... The man, does, the man of course, never gets the brunt, right? It's always the women. The it's women... Always the always the women right it's always the women that get some the guys like oh i feel sorry for him there'll be like 10 women lining up to like take their panties off for him but yeah. for a woman it'd be like oh no she's forbidden you know when my father passed away in 2005 i mean my father died young like i was i was you know i was like in my 20s when my father passed away and i remember like people some some of our relatives like distant relatives in pakistan we're telling my mom that the reason my father died is because she killed him by like nagging him to death or whatever. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, uh, I was like, I fucking double dare this bitch to say this to my face. I will fucking punch her lights out. And I was uh, like, uh, I, I you know you saw the like, saw the wrath in my eyes. Um, and I'm like, Argh. but it's so, it's so like, it's so crass, right? There's no like filter when it comes to our people. They're just like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like fucking filter what's, what's about to come out of your mouth. So Aiden, so how does your mom, how do you guys make the journey from Korea to America? I mean, did you guys have family here? Like, how did you guys make that journey? My grandma had, um, you know, was a resident here. Okay. And so we were going to meet grandma, but we didn't get accepted. Our, we weren't accepted to be able to come here, you know? Okay. Okay. Because so, isn't she allowed they, to sponsor her daughter? It takes years. It takes years and years and years uh, because she's an adult. And so we came in not legally. So we um, came in through 
uh, <laughs> the way most undocumented immigrants come into the United States through Mexico. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> That's according to some. Ah, uh, dude, this is this just keeps getting better. So I've never heard of undocumented Korean immigrants. I've never heard of that. Yep, that's what happened. So, because we were poor, also we're poor. Sure. Um, so we flew to Mexico. Okay. And they gave us IDs of these people who lived in the United States, and it was Memorial Day weekend, so we were gonna drive through the border because there's so many people in line that they just don't really check, and uh -huh. so they gave. And the IDs they gave us was, um, they gave me an ID. I'm an eight. They gave me an ID of a 14-year-old boy. And they gave my mother an ID of a woman who was 100 pounds heavier than her. So I'm like, oh, my God. This is an audition of a lifetime that we can't fuck up, right? We can't fuck this up. Order, and he barely looks and he goes, go on. And I'm like, <laughs> so now as an older person looking back, I'm like, oh, man, really, all Asian people do look alike. <laughs> Terrible, terrible unpc jokes. Terrible. But if you're listening to my story, I feel like I've earned my right to say some. No, you totally earned it. Right. And you more than earned it. You more than earned it. So, so you guys enter. You come through. So you're entering what? You're coming into San Diego. We came to Los Angeles first, and then we went to Grandma's in San Francisco. And she lived. She was living in a studio apartment. She was a kitchen helper. Wow. So we stayed with her. The three of us live in Grandma's studio apartment wow. in the Tenderloin of San Francisco. Yeah. Wow. In the Tenderloin area? Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah. Wow. A lot of people don't know about the Tenderloin in San Francisco, but it's like not, it's like, it's a shady neighborhood. It still it's is. Shady. I was not allowed to leave the house. Of course. Remember, you know, we had those elevators that, the, the accordion elevator. And I was like, yeah. I mean, I was like, so cool, you know, but like uh, my mom, but it was very. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Ah. How did yeah. you grow? I mean, what made your grandmother like travel on her own from Korea to uh, to America? She was like, I'm looking for a better life. I'll find a way to go to America and make a better life. My uncle um, was we, we were <laughs> this all sounds like a lie, but it's so true. We were one of the wealthiest families and then we lost everything at around 1983. Um, and uh, so we were very poor there because of a, uh, because of a bad gambling. Somebody gambled it away. What you guys um, lost your business? That the Park family apparently does not like to talk about. But grandfather made some bad deals in some kind of trading business. Is all I could get out of them. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got so, it. And he was quite abusive. Abusive. And it comes to a head in the United States, and we can get to that too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, no. So, oh, we're, we're, we're so getting to that. Aiden, I, uh, you know, I don't think you and I have ever talked about this, but I talk about this a lot because it took me a long time to get over my own shame uh, because I grew up with in a very, very domestically violent household in, in Pakistan. Then I moved here. There was a lot of domestic violence here in their house. So I know very much about that world because I grew up and, you know, in our culture, you don't talk about it, right? Just like you said, the Park family doesn't like to talk about it. Our family, we don't talk about it. We just pretend like, oh, well, it was just something bad, you know, your dad used to do when he had a temper. Okay, anyways, oh my God, what's for dinner tonight? And you're like, yeah. um, there's a lot of trauma attached to this shit. Like, what it, the fuck? It was constant fear of, of yeah. <laughs> there was, and it kept passed down because yes, right. that's right. my mom's, that affects my mom and and the thing is, like, okay, like, in some ways, I try to be compassionate because, like, 
grandma, grandpa, grandpa also in Korea was domestically abused when he was nine. This was in 1930. So he joined the gang of thieves at nine years old, walked from Korea to China, got like gold and then came, walked back to Korea and then he bought grandma. So, and, wow. he, and he didn't know, there's no internet, there's no training, there's nothing. So wow. he's been, a, that's all he knew. And, yeah. you know, and, and then my mom also said that he wasn't always like that, except mm. when business started going south and he started stressing out. But also he had a concub concubine, is that what they call it? Like another yeah. sure. So, sure. But that was just what they wow. did in Korea in the 60s. So that's right. That's right. It look good for him, but <laughs> and it was it's just a I mean, who's gonna question him, right? What are the authorities gonna show up and be like, You have a concubine, don't hit your wife? It wasn't a thing back then. Yeah. They were like, Oh, it was like so everybody does. Yeah. yeah, everybody's like, just suck it up, just deal with it. So you got punched in the face today. Go make some kalbi. Who gives a shit? You know, just yeah, go do exactly. it. You know, go make some kimchi, bitch. You go know, make like... some kimchi. Put your make yourself useful, right? That's just yeah. you know, that's just the thing. Man, so you guys come to America and then you're like nine years old, and mm -hmm. and so you what your mom starts doing odd jobs. Does your mom start working with yeah. your grandma? How does that work? My mom becomes a waitress. My mom's a waitress, and my grandma is uh, a kitchen helper, um, and she works for five seventy-five an hour, right? Um, and uh, this is the eighties. Are we talking? Is this the eighties? Ninety-four. Wow! 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 So, and this was under the table, so obviously there's no protection. So, of like, course. you know, of course, they're working. So, uh, so basically, they do this, um, and. Uh, my mom, the story gets crazy, Mona. My mom meets a guy and she falls in love with him. And eight months later, he gets into dental school and okay. he puffs in Boston. And then he's like, come with me to Boston while I go to dental school and help pay the bills for the house. And she was okay. like, I, and then she goes, I'll marry you. He goes, I'll marry you if you come with me and finish this so that you can get your papers. And then she goes, uh, well, you know, I'm not sure I can do this. And then he goes, or I could just report you to the INS. <gasps> so <sighs> then How is that love, Eden? How is that love? It's not love. It's not love because he, she goes, stays with him for four years, and then he dumps her, like, immediately after. So Did he marry her? No. No. And where are you? Where are you in the four years? So I get I get left with grandma. And grandma's wonderful, but she doesn't speak any English. So here I am. I can't speak English. She can't speak English. Oh There's no God. parent. So I'm getting like 1930s parenting. Like, basically, like, do whatever you want. I'm not like... And I love her to tears. She did her best. But, you know, she... Sure. Sure. She was a way oh. a lot in gambling. Sure. She was a woman who would get paid on a Friday and, and, um, you know, and then she would, uh, get on a Greyhound to Reno, gamble till 4am, get on a Greyhound back to make it back to work the next day. Like that was the kind of woman she was. She was quite, she's a pretty, she sounds like a pretty boss lady to me. She's a badass. She's a bad grandma, but you know, emotionally not really, you know, aware. Um, and this was after grandfather died. So, so in the first few months we're here, grandpa dies. 
and the way grandma <laughs> grandma told grandpa was like, don't lay a finger on me in America. I'm not gonna take it here. Right. Right. He right. And right. then one time he went for her hair. And I was <gasps> there went for her hair and started pulling. <gasps> and she said, Not in America, and grabbed a hairdryer and bopped him over the head. <laughs> I love her. I love her. It was so funny because it was like the wow. irony of somebody bopping somebody over the head with a hair dryer <laughs> that he can't use because he's bald. Right? <laughs> and then, so this is when they were like new, this is in, this happened in front of you? Yeah. So where I, was grandpa? Was grandpa not living in the studio with you guys? Grandpa was living with us until he died. I see. I see. So grandpa passes away. You can't speak English. Grandma can't speak English. Mom is uh, in Boston. Are you going to school? Like in the meantime, like what's happening? Right. So I run into my own set of issues because I go to school and, uh, I, I was an A student in Korea. I had a lot of friends in Korea. I had a big community. I get here, can't speak the language. Yeah. Can't do well in school. Can't communicate. Home life. I was really attached to my mom, and she's gone. And so I am. It's like trauma city. It's like I don't know. Like there's no one to talk to. Right. And that's around the time where you realize you're gay. So then it's like mm-hmm. okay, I'm also gay. So I really mm-hmm. uh, don't have anyone to talk to about anything and like i was religious like my my family was baptist like very baptist wow and so i was like well jesus hates me too so and so i i I have this horrible joke i'm like i tried to kill myself but like i was too scared so i would take like four aspirins (laughs) or i would stand down on my balcony praying for pneumonia or like mm. I would, I would watch horror movies like Friday the Thirteenth and see people's heads split open, and I'm like, maybe, maybe if I'm lucky, he'll walk in here and that'll happen to me. <laughs> no, <laughs> but but it's kind of funny. I, it's kind of. Well, I know it, it's funny and it's sad and it's tragic, but it's also hilarious the way you say it. It's it's all of those things. It's all of those. Maybe one things. day I'll be decapitated. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. And you're, man, you're, so you're like, what, 10, 11 at this point now? Yeah, 10, 11, 12, 13, around that time. Around that time. And I so put on mom, a lot of weight, and it's... Yeah. So I mean, mom, so I mean, your mom, when she comes back from Boston, she's like, he dumped me, you know, and then she comes back, and then what? Then she goes and gets another job? She comes back around 15, Okay. She he, he she gets dumped while we're here in the you know in San Francisco, right. and then immediately after, we did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the sixteenth time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building five G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined. Not specific to 5G networks. I mean, she's a beautiful woman, so there's guys coming at her left and right. 
Yeah. And so immediately after, she's like, I really need to do something to get us our papers. So there was a man who had, um, he had a disability, he couldn't stand up. He had like a, a, a really successful dry cleaner in San Francisco. And okay. so she marries him. Okay. Um, uh, because, you know, and she marries him in like three weeks. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And so, but the business fails within the first couple of years. Oh, boy. And then they're broke. And it turns out the person who was running the business was really his mom, the, the guy's mom. So wow. he has the business acumen. And he has a, so she, and then she has this guilt complex. So she stays with him way longer than she should have. Um, and so she stayed with him until I was like 31, actually. Wow. Uh, wow. She had to work and he stayed at home. And, you know, I mean, he really couldn't move. And so it was really. Right, right, right. Kind of gnarly. Yeah, that was it. So that's what happened to her. It's a terrible situation, actually. Wow. And then, so you're coming into your own. When did you like. I know that I have a I have a Indian uh, gay friend of mine, and I asked him when he came out of the closet. And it was like it, he was in his twenties when he came out of the closet no. to his parents. I mean, no. you have like this very complex situation. He didn't have that complex situation, but yours is a complex situation. When do you? I mean, you're 15, and then what? You go to high school, you graduate, like, and then what? You decide to go to college. How does that? No, because, okay, so this story gets complicated. So I'm 15, yeah. and people would never expect this because I'm tall and I smile a lot. So people just think I'm like, whatever, I'm from Orange County. It's not the case. Everybody's like, oh, must be lucky for you to be so happy, Aiden. Fuck you. You don't know. You're no fucking clue. Okay, so I no fucking, fucking love clue. You. I'm like this because I'm, like, working on it, right? So, <laughs> That's right. This this is how we hide the pain by smiling and laughing. Okay. People who are like the most positive have been through the most usually, and those people are optimistic because they know how valuable optimism is and changing. That's correct. You can't afford that's, to be pessimistic. That's, that's correct. That's not our cards. Right? That's correct. That's correct. So I graduated from high school, and um, I I I did come out in high school at in school, but not to my family. Right. Okay. And I was prom queen of my high school, actually, um, in San Francisco. Aww, so once I awesome. came, so I learned an important lesson there. So, like, I was in high school, and then um, when oh, I was in high school, and when um, before I came out, they would pick on me. They would be like, you're gay, you're a fag, or whatever. And then once I came out, and I adopted this attitude, I really, like, purposefully, I was like, I don't give a fuck. Fuck you. Fuck you all. And then he was like, oh. He's a cool, funny kid. And so I became the most popular kid in high school. Like, I won the most popular poll in my class. It's like 800. And like, wow. Ah, wow. And I became elected prom queen. You can't make this shit up. And the prom king was a lesbian named Holly okay. Duvier, who's a fireman. So she has better luck with hoses than I do, right? So, <laughs> so I, she, I, I beg to differ on that, Aiden. I think you have luck with it. Um, I have a lot of practice <laughs> with the hoses. Yeah. So then I graduate, but then I can't go to college because at that time there wasn't really protection for undocumented immigrants, and mm -hmm. I don't have the papers to go to college. 
and they want to charge me like what two hundred thousand dollars a year to go to college sure. national student but, so but your mom but your mom married a citizen so she got a citizenship you say she you don't get it through her this is what happened so she married him and we did take the blood test for like to become a resident around but not in time for me to go to school got it got yeah. it so got it, was, it. Like, my senior year like around like april may was mm-hmm. when i got the blood test to possibly become a resident and that timing is good because around that time and it still takes like a year a year and a half it's like a yeah. long and so yeah. i graduate and i can't go to school and i try to get a job and i can't get a job and then you know and remember i had no parenting so at this point i was fucking everybody in town honestly like the big community. Right. um yeah. anybody with an asian fetish in san francisco they slept with me so um <laughs> so um Let's be honest. Were you, were you getting were you getting bullied in school or was it a more a very like an accepting embracing friendly environment for you? I was bullied before I came out. When I came out it was done. Wow. So that's why I I really advocate for people to just kind of approach things like this is why I'm and that's it. Cuz it was right. a false confidence. I put it on. But it was yeah. a, a better feeling tone than no, leave me alone, right? Precisely. So when you go no, leave me alone, yes, respond like there's something wrong. Yeah. So, so this is how I am. Yes. But I, I, even from what I'm listening to you and what I'm observing, there's there's this thing when you what, that you do like it, it sounds like you like you got backed in a corner and then you're like. Fuck you. Fuck everything. Zero fucks are given. This is who I am. Fucking take it or leave it. Or if you don't like it, you you know, I'll get in your face about it. And I think I think there's just so much power in standing into into your there's just it's so important to like stand in your power. And I feel like maybe as a child you didn't understand that, but that's what you were doing. You were standing in your power. Yeah, do you feel I, that way? I do. I think some of the tactics that I took in order to stand in my power Uh, yeah. were misguided but i really was doing my best like yeah i really i would be that cutting like yeah you I have mean, no one to friggin talk to aiden you you are literally doing the fucking best you can i mean what is a poor you know uh, gay korean kid supposed to do when he has no one to talk to yeah you you huh? were doing your best you were fucking yeah. doing your best yeah yeah at first though yeah um, of course it was just best that i could figure out yes um, but shit really hit the fan because um when i'm at 19 then i actually i'm like well i'm fucking all these guys i should just get paid for it so i kind of get into sex work on craigslist <laughs> and um, and then that's until i get hiv right so i'm hiv positive i've been since i was 19 years old so like that's how i ended up that way and that's why the blood test around the time before that, that was good because if i were hiv positive i could not have become a resident Really? Um, they would yeah. hold prejudice against you for being HIV positive? That is, that is my understanding as of 2005. I can't say it, but I do know that there that was a concern. That was a concern. Wow. Wow, Aiden, that's crazy. Oh. So, so you so you become HIV positive. Does your does your family know at this point? Does your mom, your grandma, like do they know what you're doing, what your lifestyle is or no? No. They have no idea. They just know they that no they're idea. finding lots of cash in my house. Uh, <laughs> and are they asking you where you're getting their cash? No, they they 
assume I'm like, oh, I'm just working, and they just kind of accept it. Okay. I mean, yeah. you were working. You weren't lying about that. Yeah. So. Wow. Uh, yeah. Well, so how was, and we were yeah. all desperate for money. So there was a situation where my mom found $1,300 watered up in my room and she took it. And she was like, oh, I just needed it. And then she's just like, so there was like some contention mm. that we were very poor. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, but now our relationship is so great. Um, you know, we talked to I love all, that. Really hard. Yeah. He suffered so much, and uh, I mean, you guys have so much trauma to process. So it takes perfect. time, you know. It takes time for you to go, you know, process. It takes time for for her to process. I mean, you're yeah. coming to your own as a person. So, so you're you're so when you became HIV positive at 19, did your did your mom and your grandmother know about that, or they didn't know no. about that? No, no. My mom found out only after I wrote my book because they finally told her because. Uh. I didn't want her to find out through the book. Yeah, yeah, so absolutely. I felt like I needed to tell her, and so yeah. I did, and yeah. she was really amazing about it. Surprised oh, me. No. When That's I told wonderful. her I was gay when I was 22, she, you know, cried for five days and threatened suicide. So, you know, it was a <laughs> That's growth. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of growth. That's a lot of growth, Aiden. That's yeah, a lot of growth in that. Me too. I was, when I was 22, you know. For but, sure. Um, Lucky for me, when I was like 19, that's when I find the empowerment track, which is what even you, I don't think you know this. I don't think anybody really knows this. Like, what? It, so somebody um, sends me to an empowerment workshop, like a mentor, right? He goes, you need to go to this empowerment workshop. And empowerment, what is that about? Taking responsibility for your life and directing the course of your life. Sure. And it's, it's essentially good parenting that I never had. And yeah. so it blew my mind that I could be responsible for my own thoughts and my actions. Like it, all of this blew my, I've never had anybody teach me. Like I yeah. would get tax filings from like a job. Like even when I was like 20, I had a Starbucks job and I got like a, one of those uh, tax W9, yeah. whatever. And sure. I had no idea what that was. Like no right. one talked about taxes. Like it was like that level. Right. Right. So, um, that's when I started kind of really changing because I was like, okay, so that, I'm, so I'm a big proponent of empowerment. And yeah, I've been studying empowerment now for like 16 years because it really did save my life. I'm yeah. all about it. Like yeah. how yeah. do I frame my mind yes. this way or that way? Yeah. I got a master um, level certification in neuro-linguistic programming, which is about Amazing. creating the world through the link. And I Dude. kept that all a secret because I didn't want... Everybody I, know. I swear by NLP. I swear by NLP. NLP. Yeah. yeah. I'm a master. I'm a, <laughs> oh my God. That's amazing. I did uh, Tony Robbins uh, Unleash the Power Within uh, after my father passed away, after I went through my divorce because I got married young. I got I married know. at 22. I got divorced at 27. And I was just going through a lot. Like I was just Dramatic. processing a lot. Yeah. I was just going through a lot. And I was just like, I'm lost. Like I don't know where to go. And then I came across Tony Robbins, uh, Unleash the Power Within. And believe it or not, that's how I discovered stand up comedy uh, because that's what like brought me to, into my own. So I am a huge, huge advocate of uh, empowerment and, you know, yeah. NLP teaching. Huge, I huge. Love it changed my life. I love linguistics. Because yeah. I'm not, and it's interesting from my perspective. I really had to learn. I, I had the advantage of coming in and having yeah. to learn language like from the ground up. Like I didn't know about 
I had no parents, no. So for me to learn, I was like a fresh canvas almost, right? Like, yeah, what, yeah, yeah. So it was interesting to, I love NLP. It really changed my life. And, yeah. you know, actually, like, that's how I can run, like, eight shows a month and tour and run two businesses and have a boyfriend. And you, you know what I mean? Like, I can, like, sure. because of sure. NLP, sure. we get super efficient. But I don't want people to think of a weirdo, right? So like No, I, I think I think people who judge like NLP or like empowering like self-empowering courses and stuff like that, I don't think have ever actually taken the time to learn about them or get no. involved in them. I'm actually I just signed up for uh, landmark in June. I landmark was awesome. And you're gonna really I love landmark. Wait. I can't mm -hmm. wait. I can't wait. I, yeah, I'm very I'm, really great. Really terrific. I'm very excited. So so Aiden, so you are now what? 22. You you you, you didn't go to college. You did the the master programming for NLP, right? Master mm -hmm. certification. So yeah. do you start teaching that? Is that what happens? Do you become no. like a teacher for it? No. I have no interest in teaching that at all. Okay. I want to apply those tools to my life. So at first I wanted to be a musical theater artist, right? Okay. And okay. so um, I, you know, start applying it, and I find some success with musicals. Um, it, you know, I did nine productions of Miss Saigon. <laughs> you know? Wow! Yeah. Wow! Um, did you go to what? You did you go to musical theater school, like a musical school theater or something like that? How did you no. like? You just had a natural talent for it. No. Okay. So when I around the time I discovered um, empowerment. Yeah, I took that and ran it way over the other end, right? So like, I was like, I was 19 and I didn't have my papers and I was just, you know, and so I was like, okay, if I'm responsible for my life and I want to do musical theater, that I better get damn good. So yeah. I found the job, um, uh, I, I would clean dance studios in exchange for classes, like work study. And Got so and I was still prostituting well I, I actually was i no i had like the sugar daddy situation but <laughs> but that didn't last long <laughs> but, um, I, <laughs> so and so i go to dance studios um I and, dare I, you. And, I that, and i do um you know i go to like five six classes and like ballet yeah. and modern and jazz and then i do community theater shows and i have this voice teacher named richard nicole who knows about my situation. So he takes me under his wing and lets me come to his classes for free, his group classes. And so yeah. I hobbled together my own program and um, I become proficient. I become pretty good. Like, and so like I start working in the community theater in the Bay Area and then I start working my own regional theater. Uh, doing, I toured with San Francisco Shakespeare. I did like uh, national tours of, you know, whatever shows. And so I, I get to a level and then I join the unions. And of course you have to move out of LA. I would move out of San Francisco. And so yeah. I moved to LA at 23 because I had to join the actors equity and, you know, screen actors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So at 23, you're uh, landing acting jobs in order. I mean, you have to land, uh, you know, SAG gigs in order to become SAG, no? Yeah. Yeah. So, but it wasn't, Theater, I did great. Theater was good. Um, film, yeah. it took me a while because my personality is big. And yeah, yeah. My approach to life early on, now I'm more finessed, obviously, you learn, but early on was to, if you don't get something, work harder, which right. in the acting world backfires. 
because you, mm. what you want to do is you want to look natural. And mm. so for me to go to acting auditions and not be able to book them, I was like, okay, great. More scene study, more beat work, more books on Strasbourg's method, more Meisner classes, more sense memory, more, more, more. But all of that just weighs you down as an actor. I mean, right. if you're an actor, you know, like right, it's, right, it burns you out. I did yeah. Meisner. I did two year uh, Meisner Conservatory in New York City. So yeah, I know all about that. So yeah, I, I know all about that. So I yeah, mean, I, I, have, I quit. Oh, yeah, I know yeah. all about that. I'm doing Meisner with you. You know about that? I know about that. You know about that? I know all about that. Um, it, it, was, it was so annoying, Aiden. I'm so annoying. Some people might not understand. Some people might not understand what we're doing. That's part of the Meisner technique. That you know, you say something and the other person repeats what the other person said. It's so irritating. I actually, about a year and a half into my conservatory, I quit because my acting coach uh, in my class was encouraging girls to feel very free when they get on stage. So these girls were going up on stage and being stark naked in like scenes. And he was just like, you should feel free, huh? Which conservatory did you go to? I went to the William Esper Studios. Okay, is that in New York? It's in New York City, yeah. It's one of the, one of the, I guess, more considered more prestigious ones. Great. and I yeah, and, until that. <laughs> until that. And I was just, I honestly used to dread going to the conservatory because I was so lost and insecure because I didn't really understand myself. I didn't really understand my inner being so much. So when I started going there, I was also started going to therapy because I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I don't know how my brain works. All this trauma is like clogging my brain. So I think th- for you and I think for people like us who come from such confusion and confusion, so much trauma and all that shit, NLP is a fucking lifesaver for us, yeah. right? Because it just clears things up. It puts gives us perspective on things. I get a little bit upset about acting classes, right? Like for young people, because, okay, like yeah. this is the deal. Uh, this is what I think. And you can and you tell me what you think. Yeah. Mona and Aiden, like what makes us um, a bookable commodity in this entertainment industry is yeah. actually ultimately who we are. Like when Mona walks on stage, you know it's fucking Mona walking on stage. When Aiden right. walks on stage, it's Aiden. There's no, we're not replaceable. And that's so right. when we're young, we have a lot of trauma and we don't have an identity that's strong. That's it's right. really easy to say, you need to study technique to become that, to become that, to become that. And uh. ultimately, where does that get us? Meryl Streep, there's only one, maybe two of her in the world that with, with all these different people. You have to be sure. grounded in who you are and sell That's the essence correct. of you. And where, where does correct. that come Where does that come 100%. Yeah. If your foundation is shaky, then what are you building on? Right. You got to know what who you, you are. Because you got to know who you are. If I ask you in a movie, what I want is Mona. Right. Precisely. And that's Precisely. Got to be a commodity in that way. And I don't think that acting classes. Right. To how valuable that actually is. Uh, a lot that's of times. Right. Mm-hmm. That's and right. So- that's right. I personally think that all acting classes should come with therapy sessions, quite frankly, because, you know, because you're simultaneously learning about yourself, but you're also learning about character breakdown and script breakdowns and beats and miser techniques and Strasbourg or whatever you're into. So you're learning this kind of skill set, but you're also learning about yourself. But if you don't learn about yourself and you're just learning the techniques, you ain't going nowhere. You're just turning your wheels. Uh, at least that's how I feel. There's a where it's like, you know, that, that great analogy from that famous actor 
Um, I yeah. think it's uh, I forget I forget her name. Whatever. Is it Lawrence Olivier? Uda, Uda Hagen? Is it Uda Hagen? I don't know. Uda Hagen. Yeah, she was a great acting class. coach. Yeah, yeah. She, she was. Class, a... She said something like, "The coach said you're like a shiny apple that's perfect from the outside, but when you bite into it, you're plastic. Like there's nothing in there. Like and so mm-hmm. if you're not careful, your soul." Anyway, we're getting into acting technique theory, but you know, I just yeah. think it's like, and I think women, it's horrible for women because you're in a, now you're funny, right? Like, so you're in the right. funny category, so that's different. Yeah. But for yes. a lot of women, it's like, look, yes. who knows who they are in their 20s? Not that many people. And so you're in your 20s. You hear that? It's not just another sound effect. It's the sound of your life changing. Say goodbye to mediocrity and every normal phone you've had before. Unfold a whole new world with Samsung Galaxy Z Flip 3 5G and Z Fold 3 5G. Get more screens, more style, more attention. Take a break from toggling between select apps and take hands-free selfies. Take notice of everyone noticing you and show them how to live this life. Buy your Galaxy Z Flip 3 5G or Z Fold 3 5G at Samsung.com. 5G connection and availability may vary. Check with carrier. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. Between 20 and 30 you got a hit if you're going for the pretty girl if unless you're in that's comedy. So right. all girls are being told to be a certain way to hit. That's but if right. they miss that mark then that's right. they miss that mark. That's right. That's but right. How can you hit that mark when you don't know who you are? That's right. That's right. I mean, the amount of ageism and sexism that goes down uh, and, uh, you know, even prejudice against, you know, LGBTQ community. It's fucking it's crazy. Look, if you're not a straight white guy, you're at some point you're getting some kind of shit being thrown at you. Uh, Nika here says, I love Aiden. So I just want you to know that. (laughs) And Jay says, I've been to the Tenderloin, born and raised in San Francisco. And he said, I've been, I've seen Aiden on, on Crazy Walk Asian online comedy show. Oh, so hey, Jay. Yeah. Jay. <laughs> you were there for Mona and you caught me as a vibe. I think he saw you and he was like, Aiden's very funny. And then he saw Thank me you. and he was like, all right. He was like, Mona's got a nice shirt on today. Um, but um, <laughs> so Aiden, how did, how did you kind of have... So you're doing all this stuff. How do you fall into comedy? Honestly, I've done, I, I do musical theater. I get so frustrated. I, I'm so frustrated. So I, I do, I come here and all I get are Miss Saigon, like Miss Saigon productions. I did right. nine of them. Did I tell you this? I did nine productions of Miss Saigon. That's right. That's and a lot. Like, that's the only way I could work. And I was like, you know, if I don't do something else to be creative, that and like, oh, drink Pepsi. You know what I mean? Like that, like, it's, that's not what we went to school for, right? Like, which is funny because, you know, where's your sense memory when you're like, hmm, I mean, I guess it is sense memory because you have to taste (laughs) But then they get for real soda to freaking drink, just enjoy it. You're actually imagining Coke while drinking Pepsi. Let's be real. (laughs) I prefer Sierra Mist. (laughs) (laughs) Ma- Mountain Dew, I mean Pepsi, mm, delicious. <laughs> I love it. 
stand up out of uh, you know those people that, that everybody hates that I go into it because I'm like oh this will help my career because <laughs> like, my Did boyfriend it? at the time was was good friends with Moshe Kasher wow um, Moshe Kasher was booking like guest star roles and lead roles on television and he had never had any acting training, right? So I was like, well, he's going through stand-up, so why don't I just go into stand-up? And I actually asked him like a obnoxious question. I was like, how do you make money in this? And I hadn't even started comedy yet. I was just asking. And so like, he was kind of annoyed with me. He was like, you should just not, not be a stand-up if you're... And so then, well, I mean, no, but he had a point, like, right? Because I wasn't really interested. And so I took a, I took class. Yeah. And- uh, and I just got my feet wet and it took me two and a half years to kind of, I dawdled. I was like, I don't know. I'm more of an actor. I don't know. I don't know. And then I did a production of Music Man uh, that took me to the Bay Area. I played Harold Hill and Music Man. And so they took me to the Bay Area and I got my check and it was $300 for the week. And that was equity wage. And I was like, I can't live like this. I can't work like this, throwing myself in stand-up. That's it. And so then I started really hustling um, and purposefully taking on gigs that I wasn't ready for um, because I did the NLP thing, right? I'm like, I got to push myself. And so I remember I had like 20 minutes. This was 20 minutes in June of 2014. And I got into the Cleveland Comedy Festival in like September of 2014 or something like that. And so this is the year you started comedy. The year I started comedy, 2012, was I was was modeling, and then I had like maybe 15 minutes of mediocre material by mid 24. By mid, got it, got it, got it, got. I, you know, I, I had a, you know, I, I said Aiden Park, the big star, as seen on blah blah blah, is coming through your town uh, across America. I sent all these emails, and all these colleges were a couple colleges were like yeah, if you want to come and do like a 45 minute set for our LGBT community. And so I was like, all right, pull it together. So I pulled together 25 minutes <laughs> and did a shitty job. <laughs> pulled together 25 minutes for a 45 minute set. Fuck yes. Like it a was champion. So terrible. It was, I mean, it wasn't what so terrible, but, but it was a life support. But did you do did you do crowd work though for the rest of the twenty minutes to make up for no, it? What did I you didn't do? know how to do crowd work officially. <laughs> I was like, I'll just go up there and just. But then wow. okay, that, that gig was scary because that was the gig at Colorado Mesa University, and that gig was it twenty fourteen twenty fifteen? I don't know. I don't remember one of those two, and so I was there and. They were upset that they were bringing me in as a liberal campus event. And so the conservative group on campus decided that they wanted to hold their own conservative event and do a pro-life rally um, at the same time. And so Uh then there was a protest and there was a woman holding a sign that said pro-manly man. Um, (laughs) What does that mean? So, what does that even mean? Okay. Yeah. And then, so then there was a protest to protest the protest because the liberals came out to protest the pro. So I got connected. I got sandwiched in the middle. And from that, I made lifelong friends. And, uh, you know, they had me come back and um, uh, be the, you know, their pride march, um, whatever, you know, the 
common commander. I don't know what they call it. They call it like the person who leads the parade um, for their pride. And so it was really cool, but that's kind of what happened. I was going to call it Tiny Penis, the, the man that had to feel <laughs> lead the parade. Yeah. No, it was a woman. It was a woman. Oh, it was a woman. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Reagan girl. Ray, it's her like screen. She's a blogger. Reagan girl. Um, pro manly man. Pro guns. Pro manly man. That's like her oh, slogan. Yeah. Not much of pro, pro guns, pro manly man. Yeah. Not their slogans haven't changed much, have they? They're, it's pretty much the same. It's the same shitty slogans today that they have. Pro well, man. Pro they, she calls herself Reagan girl. So I don't know. Yeah. Wow. I've, wow. Well, well, I hope somebody gives her the memo. He's dead. Uh, but I hope somebody passes her the memo on. Like she, well, he so. has passed on. They're stuck in the past, right? So we don't know. He's, yeah, he's he's gone. So all right. So you go do this, and then you're like, holy shit! I gotta, I gotta what? Work on more material. I gotta get my material together. Like, what are you doing? So at this point, I'm like, all right. Like, I did that, and actually, it was like a proud moment. I, I knew. I'm not going to tell you who this person is, but the way I got into stand-up is I watched a special from a comedian and this was like a really like famous comedian on television. And uh -huh. uh, I watched the special and it was okay. And so I was like, well, if this person can get this famous being okay, all I need to be is really okay. And so <laughs> what else can I do with my life? And so yeah, yeah. I was proud because I, I've always been the type that, like, you know, you're an empowerment. You always want to grow, right? So, like, That's the right. fact that I completed the project, even at a B minus, you know, it's like a sixth grader completing a tenth grader project and getting a sure. B minus. Sure, sure. That's, That's right. right. That's right. You're killing. Yeah. Right? For, yeah. For, for somebody who's two and you're a half killing. years in, like, fine. Yeah. Great. That's Whatever. Right. That's right. So I start, you know, and Helen Hong was really helpful. Do you know Helen Hong? I love Helen Hong. She's great. Yeah. Helen Hong gave me the best piece of advice. She was like, Aiden, if you really want to get good, you need stage time. And don't waste your time with open mics. So I've only really been to three open mics in my life. Wow, said, that's amazing. Okay. With open mics, what you want to do is book your own room and trade mm -hmm. spots. Because that is where, you know, we are. Yeah. Uh, you know, valuable, right? And so that's why I became a producer fast, right? I started running yeah. like three, four rooms because that's how I wrote 25 minutes of material in uh -huh. like eight weeks. Cause I was like, all right, I had, I had eight spots uh, for yeah. my, and I would book people who I really liked like you yeah. or <laughs> I booked, cause you did my clown room show. I remember That's you right. in a white jumpsuit. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. I remember that. I remember that. Was... that. Yeah. That was... I would, I would uh, book people who would book me on there. So I had a show every night of the week, and I would write five minutes of material, go up Monday, call through, go up Tuesday, fix whatever, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and by the end of the week, I would have five minutes of mediocre material that lasted through six rounds. So okay. I was real purposeful about how I was creating um, cause that's what NLP will help you do. Right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's so, right. So I was really happy and I continued that track and, um, yeah. I mean, and now you're killing it. Aiden, you. you have, you, I know, I mean, 
people like you and I, uh, who have been through a lot, uh, you know, early on, and we, we hold a positive attitude and we keep trucking along, we keep pushing. You also suffered another loss. You had a boyfriend for the very longest time that I met. He was a lovely, lovely person. Uh, and then he got sick. And so can you, are you comfortable talking about him yeah. a little bit? Yeah, of course. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah. I mean, I it's know, like I know it can be I know, I know it can be, I know it can be painful. So I don't, I just don't want to overstep any boundaries. I write, so. I write about it in my book, like really like, so it's, oh, it's I, okay. open. Yeah. I love it. Because yeah. it's therapeutic too, right? When you talk about it, it's therapeutic. Yeah. Is it, does it do that for you when you talk about it? It changed my life. It actually mm. literally changed my life and the way I think and the way I do things. It changed everything for me completely. And it changed the framework of empowerment for me. Uh, right. and for the rest of my life, you know, right. Absolute, right. Yeah. I mean, when, when along the line, what, you know, did you meet your boyfriend, uh, you know, um, and you guys were together for what, like five, 10 years or something? Five, you got, five years, five, yeah. five years, five yeah. years ago. And then he, did he get cancer? Is that what he got? Yeah. What, the, what, sorry, what, what kind of cancer? Um, what? we don't know because, okay. Like one day his notes oh. blew up. Like more oh, big, Jesus. and so we took him to the hospital, and it had spread so far that they don't know where it originated. So there was some in his liver and stomach, and you know, it, I think it, like we don't know, like lymph nodes. Uh, there was none in his brain, and uh, <laughs> which we were glad about. But there was yeah. it was all over him, and it took him <clears throat> fast. So he his lymph nodes got big in March of. 2018 and he was gone by june of 2018 yeah wow wow uh, so yeah. it was already like what stage four cancer when he when you when you guys yeah. caught it yeah it was very quick mm -hmm. you, you know about ryan talmo right ryan talmo yes. yeah. yeah. did he have a similar thing as ryan talmo because talmo had like swollen swollen nodes too he had cancer oh. I think he has lymphoma. Lymphoma, right? yes, yes. Um, and uh, Michael, ha I think it was, Talmo survived. And yeah. with Michael, yeah. it was so beyond repair. Mm. So, so beyond repair. And um, yeah. I mean, I mean, Aiden, you're, you know, here you are with somebody that you love and you care for and you guys have a great relationship. I mean, I met him a few times and he was just such a sweetheart. You know, and when I heard about him, it really broke my heart and made me really sad. I mean, what's going through your mind? Do you ever look at your life? Do you ever have these moments? Because I do. That sometimes, you know, when you're it's like all quiet or at like at night, you're like just sitting and you're just kind of being, just kind of reflecting on what's happened. But it almost feels like all that shit that happened in your life happened to somebody else. Like you're watching it like. A movie like you're disconnected from it but you're like watching all the shit that you went through and then you're like god damn it another fucking trauma another pain like another mm -hmm. loss do you ever go through that i never really thought about it that way <laughs> uh but you know uh, that this last one was the worst one uh of, of all of them um yeah uh, you're talking about Michael's loss. You're talking about Michael's loss? Yeah. Yes. Yes. It was. Yeah. It was like, and it was worse than you, 
when you're in love with someone and like <sighs> scenarios like you know yeah. he's in so much pain he's on drugs and he's ripping out his ivs but the nurses can't tie his arms down because he's also on an oxygen mask and so i have to hold his arms down because mm. for legal reasons or having to get oxygen tanks for him and having to adjust the bed so he's sitting up because he can't lay back because he, he can't breathe mm. um you know and hearing stories from the doctor to relay like hey like what well, conversations that i have to have with michael like Michael, the doctor told me that you have six months to live. Would you like to do comfort care, which is a hospice, or do you want to go ahead? It was just like, and wow. the thing is, the thing about me and Michael was we really, um, my family, you know my story, so I'm not really connected to my, my family in that way. That's and Michael was also alone, so we kind of were kind of like lone rangers here, mm -hmm. right? We had good friends, like, you know, Tuesday Thomas and, and Cyrus Naderpour, and uh, sure, sure, sure. those guys were, were there for me, really. And, and a, lot of, a lot of people, you know, Sean Polofsky was another one that was really great for me. You know? she, she's going to be on next week, uh, in May, actually. She's going to be on, too. I love will her. Will you tell her I love her? But I oh, my God, her I will totally time. tell her. I love her to pieces. She's great. You know, um, and so, uh, yeah, when he was in the ICU, she came. And um, so uh, there were all these people who were great, but they're not like, there's no family unit. So it was basically he and I. And by that, I mean me because he can't move. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it was, it was crazy. It was crazy. Yeah. And when I lost him, I really, really went off the deep end. Um, and this is where like, I think the empowerment thing kind of backfired for me here and it made me adjust the way I use empowerment, right? So mm -hmm. what happened was I was like, I actually did become suicidal there. And I was like, I'm not gonna, I was like, but I'm not gonna kill myself here. So right. it was like the thing that put it over, and I don't know how, if we're running out of time, let me know, but I like- No, know, no, we have time. Like, I don't have a line. I'm here. <laughs> I'm, I'm here. Well, I had, like I was talking to my mom and I'm here for all of it. Yeah. Are you? Yeah. 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 So, you, so you said. My mom and my mom said, I was here for you. I stayed for you when your grandma died. I stayed oh. strong for you. So be strong for me as you're going through this painful thing. And I said to her, <laughs> I said, then we should both kill ourselves because I don't see the point. You, can't, you stayed for me. I'm staying for you. And it's a miserable life. So let's just go. We don't need to do this. And then I was like, wow, you got problems. You can't do that, right? So she was so distraught by that comment. And so I was like, all right, I'll stay, but I'm going to, I can't stay feeling like this, right? Yeah. So yeah, I'm yeah. looking to be happy. And my first tactic was the traditional empowerment tactic, which is like, all right, fix stuff here and then let's go. Like, go out with friends, do things, do things, go out with friends, work, like, get on stage every single night, talk about it. And I went nuts. I went nuts. It was just like, go, 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 nonstop. Um, and I had, like, three panic attacks as a result. And so that's when I realized, okay, no amount of doing or working to fix here is going to fix my broken heart. And right. no amount I'm an NLP person. No amount of anchoring or spinning my feelings out. You know what I'm talking about. Switch, I know exactly what you're talking about. Which method, anchor, nothing would work. 
it would work for a day. I would do the circle of excellence, you know about that, the ring and the stepping into the circle, none of that. Nothing worked, nothing worked. I was too gone. And I fell into uh, drugs at this time too. It was like, I was like, I just need to not feel this. So, you know, I was like um, engaging in destructive behavior around this time as well. It was really, really difficult, uh, not only during this time, yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, can I ask what kind of drugs? Methamphetamine. Wow! Wow! Yeah. Are they easy to get, or are they difficult to get? Um, you know what? In the gay world, there's this thing called party and play, where you kind of go and you sleep with a bunch of guys and you smoke meth together and then you get high. So, like, that's kind of like. And the thing is, Mona, you've known me for years. Yes. This is how I am. Not on that drug. Yeah, I know. So, so imagine I have nowhere to go. This is what happened. I would I would be fine for like an hour, and then I would fly. I would be like, wow. I would get so paranoid and be like, oh my god, paranoid, right? Nice. So the, the the party and play culture in the in the LGBT community is a big problem, actually. Um, you know, oh. uh, people get together and they smoke meth and they fuck for fifteen hours. It's kind of what. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So Are you the, doing- hungry or thirsty or tired in the process you, you don't just- notice anything you don't notice anything you just get so horny you just fuck. Body wow. yeah it's crazy it's crazy wow. crazy yeah i heard i've heard about it oh well i live in west hollywood so i have heard about it and you know i of course i've heard about it uh but i i didn't know the magnitude of it 15 hours god damn aiden who got that kind of time <laughs> two, three days. two three days um, I, I like, I, I take, so like now I'm clean from it. Right. But like, right. it's like, um, in the beginning there, I was like using it every, what, three or four days. I, luckily I never got to the point where I was like using every single day. I got, right. I was like using like once a week kind of deal. Right. Right, because you're, you're processing pain. Right. You're yeah. saying, I don't want to feel anything. It's, oh, it's interesting when I, yeah, it's interesting when I hear you say that, you know, um, in around 2009, 2010, uh, before I started discover stand up comedy, I went through a miserable breakup, miserable. I mean, I was madly in love with this man and I went through a horrible breakup. And I remember I used to go to my therapist, uh, shockingly, I like did something constructive. Um, and I, I, I went to my therapist, I would go to my therapist and I'm like, can you give me something where I don't feel anything? Like, yeah. I don't want to feel anything. So I know exactly that pain that you're talking about. Maybe not so much. It's a different kind of a loss. Of course, you lost him forever. I didn't, you know, we. I lost him because this man moved to another country. But holy shit, yeah, that need to be like, I don't want to fucking feel this pain. Yeah. I don't want to feel it. Give yeah. me something, right? So, yeah. I, so how long were you doing that where you were like, okay, okay, I don't need to, it's okay. Like, did you start going to therapy? Like, what I made you a, come out of it? I had a major, I had two events that happened major. Um, one event was I was supposed to go away. Um, uh, did I lose you? Okay, I was no, supposed no, to go away to uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, I was supposed to go to Italy uh, with the guy that I was kind of seeing at the time that we were partaking in drugs with, and uh-huh. I found out that he did something with a friend of mine, and so. Mm-hmm. 
At T-Mobile, we believe in putting people first by treating them right. So we've upped the benefits without upping the price. With Magenta Max, you get our best plan for 5G with unlimited premium data that can't slow down based on how much smartphone data you use. Plus, you'll pay zero cost to switch. And bring your phone. We'll pay it off up to 800 bucks. Only at T-Mobile. Capable device required for 5G. Activate up to 4K or video streams at 480p. 40 gigs high-speed tethering. Up to $800 via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Support charges waived. See details at T-Mobile.com. Something we all missed in 2020 is traveling. Remember road trips, seeing friends and family, and all the sights and sounds along the way. And of course, road snacks. Mmm, beef jerky. Well, it's time to get back out there. We've earned it. And when you travel with the U.S. Bank Altitude Connect Visa Signature Card, you'll also earn the most from it. So hit the road and take it all in again, from points of interest to points back for how you travel. Earn four times points on travel and at gas stations. And if you book your prepaid hotel or car rental directly in the Altitude Rewards Center, you can earn five times points. Plus, you'll earn two times points on groceries, dining, and streaming services. And all other eligible purchases? Yeah, you'll earn points on those too. So start earning more today and connect with 50,000 bonus points, a $500 value when you spend $3,000 within the first 120 days of account opening. Learn more at usbank.com slash altitude connect. The U.S. Bank Altitude Connect Visa Signature Card is issued by U.S. Bank National Association ND. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. I wasn't going to go. And I had cleared the schedule for 10 days um, to go to Italy. And mm-hmm. I did not go. So it was Thanksgiving week. Um, and I had 10 days of nothing. And yeah. it really came to a head, didn't it? Because here I am, the first Thanksgiving without Michael. I'm lonely. I had this breakup happen. Um, and I just broke there. Um yeah. And then I had actually Jackie Monahan. You know who that is? Yeah, yeah. Because she came and and met me, and we. Um, ha- I'm very lucky to have good friends here, um, and yeah. so she met me, and then we talked about how she said she listened to. T- <laughs> she listened to. She was like, "What you want to do is figure out what it is you're missing." from Michael emotionally and give that to yourself because Mm. it's all about emotions. Mm -hmm. And I was like, where did you hear this? And she was like, Abraham Hicks who gets messages from the universe or something, something like that. And I was like, this girl's crazy. But all weekend (laughs) she was like, listen to this video. Listen, I was like, fine. I'm sitting here crying. I'll listen to the video. So I listened to the video and the argument is that at the end of the day, everything is emotional. So why do we want a relationship? Because we ultimately want that feeling of safety and security. Why do we want to make a lot of money? Because we want a sense of power or maybe we want a sense of fun, whatever. And so everything at the end of the day is emotional. And they were referring this, they were uh, referring this to the law of attraction. Actually, they were just saying like, so give yourself the emotion and then the law of attraction will follow. I didn't um, want anything. I just wanted to feel better. I did not, I could not care. I could, I don't care. Keep your money. I just, I can't feel like this. This is when you are in that level of pain. Just do whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So then I was like, okay, so what if I take all the empowerment tools that I had in NLP and I apply it directly to the result of an emotional rather than tangible. So before I'd be like, all right, I want money. Let's go. Let's let's make money, right? I can't. Like, generally, 
Um, I don't know. I, I don't. I'm not too familiar with Tony Robbins' work. I I, I am. Kind of, I I did yeah. NLP traditional yeah. NLP. Does NLP as well also, but it's a lot of empowerment is about you can do it to improve the situation of your life, giving you hope to improve the situation of your life, rather right. than your emotional state being the end goal. Right? Uh -huh. so you right. can do it to affect change here. And yeah. what I wanted to do was just affect change here. And so mm -hmm. I started trying to apply. I took out my big book of NLP, everything I know, and I started trying to figure out how I might be able to apply all those concepts to an emotional result. Mm -hmm. How do I get to an emotional result? And mm -hmm. so when I would miss Michael, I'd be like, oh my God, I miss Michael. No, stop. I'm folding in everything into this. Uh -huh. What exactly, uh -huh. what emotion am I missing from Michael? Security, safety. Okay, great. Let's give myself security and safety. Is it going to be through my talking? Is it going to be through my thoughts? Is it going to be through... And it started making me feel empowered because uh -huh. I was systematically giving myself those emotions that I was craving and creating my own emotional... Um, I was getting emotionally empowered. Right. It sounds like you were creating your own emotional sanctuary. Yeah. Yeah. And of course it's yeah. different. You know, and, and the thing sure. is, like, emotions are so not understood much by the people at all, really. It's just That's like, right. oh, just right. suck it up or whatever, you know. That's right. Especially, uh, from the cultures, especially from the cultures we come from. It's like, we don't talk about it, whatever. I was telling, my, my brother called me up one day and I was telling him, I was like, hey, man, I'm really, really down. I'm just like, my depression is like kicking my ass today. And my brother's like, just walk it off. You just need to walk it off. And I was yeah. like, I'm going to go now. I was like, I, I got to fucking hang up because you're pissing me yeah. off. You know? Yeah, there's like, there's an implication there's something wrong with you if you're suffering emotionally, you know? And so, That's right. so I started applying those tools to get myself. And, it, and the thing is, you do this for three, four months and big difference. I had yeah. a big jump, a big, big jump. I went from using drugs once a week to about once a month, which is actually pretty big jump for that's right. That's right. Drugs that's, such as that, like that's pretty good. That's right. So and that's then right. I, I went to okay, like I'm pretty happy, like I'm yeah. pretty good, and then yeah. people started noticing. They were like, "What are you doing?" And then they were like, "You know," they were like, "What are you doing?" And so I told one of my friends, "I'm doing this," and she was like, "You have to write a book about this." Talk to my friend who is a a, a book coach. She heard my story and she was like, I'm going to give you a scholarship to my program and we're going to get your book done. And that's how the book got written. That's so, wonderful. That's so wonderful. Yeah. And that's why I actually do believe in the law of attraction, like practically, because uh -huh. when people notice that you are at a higher, con like if you think about people who want to hire you, people want to work with you, people want to be your friend, like they generally want to work with people who are at a high vibe. Right, right, right. High, vibrating at a higher level for sure. I mean, what? Yeah, what is everything in on this planet? It's just energy and vibration. That's all it is, right? Some yeah. are low vibration, some are medium vibration, some are high vibration. So I hundred percent agree with you on that. Hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. That's where I learned uh, about the emotional empowerment thing, and I think uh, I think it's the way to go. Right, <laughs> I agree with you, Aiden. How long have you been doing comedy for now? Uh, 10? 2012. 2012. Oh, you started a year after me. 
yeah, I started in 2011. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I started in 2011. That's uh, oh. that's when I. I mean, I just fell into such severe depression. I just didn't know what to do. You know, I was like, either either I'm gonna kill myself or I'm gonna come out of something. Uh, and my therapist at the time gave me one of the greatest advice. She gave me this amazing advice. She said. I promise you, she's like, I can't feel your pain for you, she said to me. She's like, what I can do, she said, is that I can be, I'm going to be your cheerleader throughout your journey of feeling and experiencing this pain. I'm going to be on the sidelines. I'm going to be here cheering you on, guiding you, helping you have a shoulder to cry on. She goes, but I promise you, Mona, that if you feel and you go through all this pain and experience all this, there is this incredible person waiting on the other side for you that you won't even believe exists and that's how i friggin discovered stand-up comedy man holy shit like she literally like changed my life so just like you i'm like a huge advocate of you know personal empowerment growth or you know go to therapy like whatever it takes figure your shit out because Nobody is responsible for your happiness but yourself. You yeah. are responsible for your it's own really happiness. It's irrelevant whether it's fair or unfair. It really is not. That's correct. That's correct. It's irrelevant. It doesn't matter if shit, yeah. shit, if shit happened to you, shit didn't happen to you, you know what? At the end of the day, you are responsible for your happiness. I remember when I started telling my family, which took me a little bit to be like, I go to therapy. And my mom was just like, why? Why you go to therapy? You're not crazy. And I was yeah. like, it's not about being crazy. There's just I'm just processing a lot of bullshit and a lot of trauma. And you should also go to therapy. And I was talking about it to with one of the guests uh, about a week or two weeks ago. My mom, uh, who has experienced a sh- shit ton of trauma uh, as well, you know, her family didn't really give a fuck about her. My mom got married at 17. I was her fifth child at the age of 23. Um, my father was incredibly physically abusive. Not just that. My father used to do this thing. <laughs> where he would um he would get into fights with my mom and he would lock lock us out the house and we would sleep on the sidewalk all all night yeah. you know and um i remember this one uh-huh. night ma- that's major fucking trauma right i remember this one night my brother who's four years old uh, who's two years older than me he was crying and he was like dad i'm so thirsty can you open the door please dad i'm crying and he was crying and i remember as a kid like looking at my brother like crying and my father would not budge he was just like fuck that fuck her fuck the five children let them fucking you know rot on the sidewalk and this is not just one incident these are like multiple incidents shit like that but you know, you carry that in you, like it's in your body, it's in your fucking mind. You have all this trauma and you're like, how the fuck am I going to process this shit? You know, and that's why NLP and therapy and all this are really great tools to take care of that. You know, I'm uh, say like when you have an emotional injury. Yeah. Like having a cut on your arm. Right. So if you have a cut on your arm right there and in order for it to heal, it needs to see the light. But a lot of us get this cut and we're so afraid of it, we wrap it in duct tape and now it's infected. And then we get triggered by other things that might brush up against it and it hurts. And so we take the duct tape off and let it see the light of day and let it heal so that we can touch it without having it hurt us. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. My uh, girlfriend, uh, Nika, who was uh, on here as a guest also, I I met her as as a guest and then we ended up becoming really good friends. And she uh, she calls people like us who don't have 
good relationships with our families and have had so much trauma. She calls uh, emotional orphans. She calls us. She's wow. like, we are emotional orphans. And I was like, yes, that is such a accurate, uh, you know, statement. But your book, when you wrote your book out and, you know, uh, first of all, you know, where can people find the book? Because I do want people to go and find the book. Actually, um, I have a website uh, that I launched. Yeah. Uh, it became a movement, right? So I have a book here. But they said yeah. that I think yeah. it's a good thing to have this here. So that's my book. I love Our that. Day. I love and that. Being yay is a superpower. So I'm very Superman here, right? I love uh, it. I love it. I launched the book and there's a QR code at the end of each chapter that relates to the concept that I'm presenting. So I use my story as a way to present concepts. I, you know, actually it's kind of a technical book. It, it talks about emotional momentum and reticular activation system and how to override yes. that. And, you know, all, all of that, you know, all of the, you know, reasoning and, and linguistics, yes. all of that, that I used to get yes. out. And yes. so you can actually find this book um, on my website that came as a result of it. It's the art of being yay.com. And yeah. on there, there is, Funny videos from, you should actually, I need to talk to you. I want you to be a part of this. Uh, there's yeah. like funny videos from comics that I love that have an empowering message behind it. There's video blog posts that have, you know, all these, um, you know, concepts that might help people in pain. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The books there. Um, there's also like different podcasts that have, uh, you know, differing, um, very positive messages within them. Um, yeah. And so it kind of became like its own thing. And so... Um, I love that. You can I love find it, it so much. Yeah. You know, I am curious, uh, you know, uh, Aiden, uh, do you have a pretty big uh, uh, Korean following or, you know, do you have a pretty big Asian following? I mean, how does the Korean community react to what you've done and, you know, that you're putting out your truth and being so incredibly courageous and uh, just a, just an incredible human being to just put this out there? How, how does the do you have that any kind of relationship with the Korean community or not really? I get lots of likes from people in the United States who are in admiration of the Korean K-pop and all of that community. Um, okay. But I'm not sure that I get necessarily support from Koreans, right? Because it's mm -hmm. a little, the topics are a little, you know, it's a little, mm -hmm. yeah. And similar yeah. to Margaret Cho, right? Margaret Cho. Yes. I, yes. I, I'm not sure that she has a Korean following. Mm -hmm. Her content yes. is a little out there for the Korean. But her, her, most of her following are, are, are gay men, isn't it? Like, she has a very LGBTQ German following. Oh, yeah. And she wrote the forward to my book, actually. Oh, my God. Um, I love so that. Margaret's the best. I love, I love Margaret. She was on the yeah. podcast. She was. She's amazing. I, I just love her to pieces. Incredible. I, I, I think she's so... And it's so awesome because it was the year of 1994 when I came to the U.S. And that was the year she had her sitcom, All American Girl. And I saw an Asian person on TV and for her to be my friend and work my book. Amazing. Really cool. Really, really cool. Does that make you emotional sometimes? You're just like, oh, my God. Here I was, like, as this young Asian kid coming to America looking at this amazing woman. And now she's, like, forwarding my book. I, sh I should be... It's, it's a lot of, it's funny. We get busy, right? We get busy and we yeah. don't really think about it. It's like, just like everyday thing. But actually, yeah. if you sit down and think about it, it's actually a really big deal. And, and the thing is, like, I, I, I could 
do a, a, a stronger job of being more appreciative day to day of how far I've come. I think I could do better about that because I, yeah. I call myself a lot. I'm like, let's go. Let's, I'm sure you do the same thing. We're like, we're- no, 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 that, that, that's a trauma. That's also a trauma response, Aiden, you know, that over driven, that over ambitious. That's yeah. a very, that's also very much a trauma response. And I yeah. think I oftentimes, I think, I don't know if this happens for you, but for me, if I slow down, like tonight after this, I'm going to make some nice dinner. I'm going to sit down and decompress. Yeah. I tend to have a lot of demons that come and whisper in my ear sometimes. And I have to shoo away the demons, right? I have to, yeah. there has to be like the adult owner has to step in and be like, you, you know what? You're not valid. You're not welcomed. We don't have yeah. to talk about you. You are no longer, you no longer hold power in my life the way you used to. So I don't know. Does that, is that a, is that a fear of yours that if you slow down or if you take a moment and, you know, process it, that, you know, the pain will come creeping in or thoughts will come creeping in. Is that a, is that a thing for you? I, I think that it's a little of both. I love being active uh, yeah. and I love working, but yeah. I also, have some kind of link to worthiness there that I should look at, you know? <laughs> and the yeah. thing is, like, I, do, like, I have the same thing. I totally have the same thing. So I totally get it. I'm like, oh, if I don't work, then I'm not worthy. Or, oh my God, like, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm getting left behind. Yeah, who am I? What am I? And, you know, with like the whole like TikTok and Clubhouse, and there's always a new app and I'm like, I need to keep up. And, right? Like, so it's easy to get caught in that trap. But yes. um, it's good to take, a pause and remind yourself of how far we, you know, like, like the B minus, right? Like that's, yes. that's like a really proud moment. Like even though the, yeah, that was a proud B minus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The proud, no, that's a very proud B minus. I, I've started doing this thing where I like to go by, by the ocean, like Santa Monica pier or something. And then just go and sit there with my dog. I have a six year old pit bull. I love to go and sit down with, and I just shut my eyes and I just give like five or 10 minutes of gratitude. I'm just yeah. like, I'm so grateful to be here. And I feel like there's just something so magical and spiritual about giving gratitude because it th- puts a lot of things in perspective when things are not necessarily going your way, you know? We're, we're very lucky, you and I. We're very lucky. And, like, you know, people might listen and be like, oh, like, how can you say you're lucky or whatever, but... Uh, from the, the odds that we, we from we yes, yeah, turn that into something that where we can move forward with. That means we can get through anything, really. Honestly, that's correct. That's correct. That's correct. And so, yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. It's yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, honestly, I I think it's a little bit more than I think it's stellar. I think it's outstanding. I think we are. Yeah. I think because we are such outstanding people, and I think I, I'm actually having even a hard time saying it even to myself right now. But I'm gonna power through it but we are really extraordinary and outstanding people to come from the kind of adversity and even the kind of cultural backgrounds that we come from and to fight through fucking all of it and just stand here and stand and stand our ground and be actually really fucking good at what we do like there's there's just so much power in that you know what i what i like about you and and uh maybe maybe you're not like this at all but this is the impression that i get of you that i've always respected like you know, you are who you are and that's it. And I'm not really getting a lot of punches. Like you kind of have a solid like ground of who you are and who you present on stage is kind of who you are off stage. Like it's yes. not an act. You are who you yeah. are, that's it. 
I'm not surprised at all at how you are on here because this is how you are off stage with me. This is how you are when you're on stage. It's the same person everywhere, yes. right? So, yes. Um, yes. That is someone who has found their grounding and knows who they are and it comes from a grounded place. And yes. um, with all these things knocking us around left and right to be able to um, discover that and stay true to who you are and come from that place always is really yes. impressive. I like people like that. Well, thank you very much, Aiden. Well, the, the respect is mutual because uh, I feel the exact same way about you because I'm just like, ever since I've known you, I think today we've definitely gotten much deeper into your story and much deeper about your life. But uh, I, I mean, I, I was always impressed by you, but I'm like 10 times more impressed oh. by you. You know, okay. so like, so yeah, oh. it's a, it's, it's a fry for both of us. Um, Aiden. I swear to God, I don't even know where the fuck an hour and 24 minutes went. But ah, that's but how that long we've been. Fun. That was, it's fun that was so much fun. That was so much fun. Um, so you're in Palm Springs. Uh, you're relaxing. You're chillaxing. Do you have any wow. shows coming up? Where can people follow you? Where can people follow your social media? Tell us everything. I would love for everybody to go to my website, theartofbeingyay.com and subscribe yeah. to my newsletter. I send okay. out a newsletter every Friday um, okay. where uh, I talk, you know, I send like a fun concept and all these kinds of free, you know, tools and resources. And Mona, you're gonna be featured on there real soon. Cause I, oh, I really I a website where people can go and they can feel, it's like a, it's like a yayful lifestyle kind yeah. of web where yeah. people can go and, enjoy comedy that is that is positive and empowering and, and feel good and, and have a laugh and yes find yes tools. yes Just, you know so i would love for everybody to go there that would mean the world to me i have a bunch of shows coming up i have one in san diego on wednesday but whatever i want you to go to the website and join okay. my mailing list and okay. you can buy my book from there if you want but join my mailing list and say hi say hi to me please perfect perfect, perfect. aiden I love and adore you. I'd love to bring you back on again uh, on my live stream, but this was so much fun. So thank this you so fun. much. It's yeah. so good to see you, Mona. <laughs> so good to see you. I will see you soon, my friend. Uh, when, when you come back, I'll hit you up and we'll try to get together soon. Okay, awesome. And I've, I've seen you twice already, so I'm sure we'll be on another Asian show soon. <laughs> I'm sure we are. I'm, I'm sure we are because the, the fucking racists aren't going nowhere. So yeah, they'll be out there. <laughs> Good, good. God, <laughs> God damn it. All hey, right, Aiden. Love you. Take care. Love you, love you too. You too. Have fun, all right? Enjoy. Take care. Right, bye. bye. That was my lovely and beautiful friend, Aiden Park. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed that conversation. I, I hope you guys did too. You guys, if you haven't subscribed to my YouTube channel, please do. You can go to youtube.com forward slash Mona Shake Comedian. I'm also of the same name on Facebook and on TikTok. And also you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Mona's Comedy. You guys, I will see you on Monday. Have a great weekend. Get vaccinated if you can. Stay safe out there. Have a good night. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row. Proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network. Verizon. 
best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by root metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks.